Outdoor Edge knows that providing a freezer full of meat is part of the reason we all hunt. And what better way to bring it full circle than to process your own wild game? Outdoor Edge provides a full lineup of traditional and replaceable blade hunting knives and complete wild game processing kits to bring your wild game from the field to the freezer. Visit OutdoorEdge.com and at checkout, enter the discount code N-A-T-I-O-N-3-0 for 30% off. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the O2 Podcast. Today, Paul and Andrew, we are here on a beautiful May day, uh, getting ready to, oh, I don't know, Paul, what do we call it? Off-season of hunting. At I least. know. I'm First week since, what, the end of March that I haven't traveled somewhere yeah. extensively? You're actually here Man, in, in person. I'm happy about that. I'm That's tired. The, uh, you've been around the world this spring, but... Oh, God. You ain't kidding, man. I'm, I'm happy to be home, happy to be sitting here with you. It... Um, I the last episode I said that I wouldn't say the name of my favorite ground nesting bird, so I'm not going to do it. But uh, that is over for this year. There's like a couple more days left up north, way up north. I I don't know, man. I I, I keep waking up in the middle of the night thinking about driving up there, but uh, probably not. Chalk it up. How much would your wife love that if all of a sudden you're just like two o'clock in the morning rolling out of bed, Paul? Where are you going? If I the birds are calling. If I if I do that, that's exactly how it's going to go because she has put her foot down hard. And for you know, for those people that have never met my wife, I'm like a foot taller than her, but I'm terrified of her. She's yeah. like a goddamn bulldog, dude. She uh, and she is not it, happy about she's that. She's intimidating. <laughs> she is, no doubt. So good, good stuff. Happy to be back, man. I'm excited for what we got going on with this show. Looking forward to it. Going to be a fun, fun summer. So. Yes, sir. So, real quick. Uh, Talk about our uh, buddies over there. Go Wild. They've got their big event coming up here um, July 9th, the Send It Slam. Actually, if you type in SenditSlam.com, it'll take you to the webpage where you get all the information. Uh, but it's down in Louisville. All kinds of fun stuff. Uh, they've got the archery competition. I think that's 75 bucks to sign up for that. Uh, but then they've got I had listen, listen, Iowa. Take two. Yep. I was listening to them this morning talk about they have some VIP passes they're like 50 bucks a person and 35 it's kind of the general admission but you've got all kinds of country music uh outdoor stuff we've got two to give away oh we do yeah we've got two tickets to send it slam to give away so we gotta figure, gonna, we gotta figure out what we're gonna do first. we're gonna do something but it's coming pay attention to go wild yeah. and next week pay, yeah. pay attention next week we'll have all the details on how to get you uh in the draw registered to yeah, get those free tickets, those free so. tickets. but there's uh, lots to do for the kiddos and adults. You can make it an adult weekend. You can make it a family weekend. But there is uh, some, some pretty cool stuff going on there. So that is July 9th down there in Louisville. We get, we're, we're going. we got a crew going down. Louisville. We've got, like, what, 15 people rolling down to, is what it feels to, like. to Louisville. It's going to be fun. Good time. Looking lots forward to of, it. Lots of people. So. Oh, yeah. What else we got? Tethered. Tethernation.com. Yep. Give our, our shout-out to those guys. So I've got, I've I, I got like this random text message from FedEx that something was was being shipped to me, and I'm like, oh man, I hope it's I hope it's my saddle system. So Taylor Chamberlain, you're probably not listening to this. If you are, don't tease me. 
<laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm then, ready, man. I'm ready to get up. I've, I've picked out a tree on my neighbor's property to climb up into. So he's just going to look out. He's super old, so I'm hoping he's just like, oh, there's a Sasquatch in my tree. <laughs> and he just like goes about his day because I'm going to wear that first like camo and just get up in those trees oh, and have yeah, you video buddy. it. So, yes. yeah. yeah. Look, looking, looking forward to that. So. Um, but yeah, and you know what, those guys, there's a, you, I've gotten some questions from different people about uh, some of their stuff, so please feel free to reach out if you've got any, you know, thoughts or whatever. It's uh, Now's the time to get comfortable with it, so if it's uh, something you're going to consider. And you know what, um, I was talking to Brian Hall about it. In Ohio, we've got a few um, local retailers that have it. So if it's something that yeah. you guys want to go, I, I get it. Like you want to get your hands on on the saddle and feel what it's, you know, see what you need, all that kind of stuff. Um, I think Central Ohio Vances. Yeah, they they had they, they had carry. quite a few in stock when I was here the other day. And so I, I think Fin Feather and Fur. They do on I the know northern they do for side sure. of yeah. the state. So yeah. I'm sure there's more. Yeah, but. just uh, go check those out, but tethernation.com great stuff so and thank you also to our buddies over at first light so yep. good stuff got, yeah you're always wearing some first uh, light, so yeah. are those first light shorts yeah it might be a mile addiction i'm not gonna All lie right. um, good for you finally archery hike so if you're not able to get down to the event in louisville for with the go wild guys archery hike our friend justin ross is going to be uh putting that on down there in the hocking hills um what do we got i know he said i talked to him yesterday he's got some spots available for sunday he's got spots available for all three days still friday saturday sunday sunday there's more there's more open times i think you know it's friday saturday going to be a, a, a big day so you and i will be down there friday that's going to be a lot of fun so yep july 15th to the 17th down in hocking hills logan ohio good stuff beautiful country good God's country. stuff absolutely so well paul uh we're entering the off season. Do we want? We went out last weekend. I learned. Yeah. I learned more. You know, always got to learn something when you go in the woods, right? What'd you learn? Uh, you can't see anything when you're in the jungle at this point in the year. It was. I mean, we couldn't see fifteen. We could have had a turkey 30, 30 feet from us in any direction and not been able to see it. I mean, it was. It was crazy. There was just a couple of spots, maybe in the pine forest that we got into, that there were some open, open areas. But man, it was just nothing. Nothing was home. And so. So what we went down Sunday morning, yeah, and uh, we it rained like hell, right? Overnight, I mean, it stopped. I mean, we got into the woods at five, and it stopped at four fifty-five. <laughs> I mean, it was just thunder, lightning, high winds. So yeah, so we were playing that game, but like uh, you got down there, and there, it wasn't that we got wet from the rain. You got maybe a, it was humid. It was humid. Oh as god, hell. so humid. Um, but you couldn't hear a whole lot because of the rain still falling on the leaves, and then. Yeah. I think the leaves absorb sound, so I'm we're sitting there trying to call, and like you said, <clears throat> they could have been thirty yards away. Yeah. It was, I mean, the the rain falling off the leaves was deafening. It was really, it was, it was actually kind of a neat experience. But man, they they a turkey would have, and I made the comment. I was like, if we hear something gobble, it, just sit down. I mean, it's going to be in bang, our lap bang. before before right. we know it. I mean, we didn't hear we didn't hear anything. So no. we packed it up. What what, what was our Shannon's pit stop? Shannon's pit stop. Oh man, that was a good place. Good breakfast. Yeah. yeah so shout was. out. And and you made you made a comment while we were there. Like this is like an underserved or under talked about thing in the hunting world is the awesome places you go to breakfast. Like if you're out hunting and you go to Denny's or, or Bob Evans, come on, man. Like pick pick some local greasy spoon. It was awesome. Those okay. people were super cool. Who did we meet? What uh, Jack and Kalen? 
Jack and Kalen, father-son duo, lives out there, talked about the podcast. Yeah. Hope you guys are listening. So When you, when you walk in and you're in full camo and nobody else is, but you know that you're in the right place yeah. and people come up and start talking to you. Yeah. So. No, those those guys were cool. They knew exactly what we were doing. So yeah. nice so. nice meeting those fellas. That was good. But, um, man, I don't know. What do you got? When you're starting to get into the off-season, quote-unquote off-season, um, what are what are you getting into? I mean, one of the things I've got besides my honey-do list and keeping the peace is uh, i got to clean my guns. This is the time yeah. of the year where I'm going to pull them all out. They're going to get a f- good wax in and yeah. scrub down. And So I'm I'm lazy now. I got that, that A5, and... I'm like I, I'm I'm an idiot when it comes to to gunsmithing and and doing all that stuff. I'm super intimidated by it. So I'm going to admit, man, I've been taking my my guns to a guy in Johnstown, the gun cleaners, good people there. Not, you know, not a part of the show if you're listening, but just awesome, awesome people. A guy named Brad Deo, and he after after every season, your duck, turkey, deer, whatever it is, I just I take it to him. It's it's pretty reasonable. I mean, they they clean, they take that whole thing apart, and they they've got like some sonic thing, but. I don't know. Yeah. A couple years ago before I had that thing and I had an easier shotgun to work on, I was for sure this was the time to deep clean everything. And I usually give it a give it a little break. I've done some bass fishing. You know, I'll do some tournaments with some guys, a buddy of mine, Nick Avakian. But I usually wait till like catfishing season. That's when that's the other thing that I get fired up about summertime. Yeah. So Yeah, it's vacation season. So I think yeah. we we both have a couple of those coming up and uh like I said, yeah. keeping Keeping the peace in the home. I have to be home, like a majority of the time during the summer, because when it's like duck season, deer season, I'm, turkey season, I'm like a just a magician gone right. off something. Like my wife's like, what season is it now? I'm like, well, it's catfishing season. It's now. always it's, something in season. Yeah, well, like the, the Missouri guys, they've got they've got us both wanting to kill coyotes. Yeah, man, we were talking about that the other day. Yeah. It's it's one of these things. Try I. I am like the ultimate content consumer, I think. So I sit here and listen to these guys talk about coyotes. And then there's guys going west. And then there's guys fishing. And then there's guys, you know, doing waterfowl. And I just want to do it all. But I think yeah. at some point you got to kind of say, all right, these are going to be my my things that I'm going to focus on. And then as much as I want it to all be hunting, it's not, right? Family's huge. You got to take care of that. Uh, getting the kids outside. We're going fishing this weekend, so that's yeah. uh, with the kids. That's you know, I might not even get throw a line in the water, but they'll have fun. Um, but there's other things in life, right? So uh, whether it's uh, I I told you the other day, I'm focused on staying in shape this summer, so I got to make sure I get to the gym every you know yeah. as much. That's as I a can. big thing for me too this year. Yeah, and it's uh, those are the kind of things I think that even though you want to be hunting and shooting and doing all this stuff all the time. Don't burn yourself out on that. Make sure you're taking care of the other stuff in order to, when you get to that point, you're ready to go. Yeah, you know? that, that's you know, I, it's a great a great point. You know, last last year I I missed. I'm going to admit this. I missed more tucks than I, than I'd like to admit. Um, I didn't shoot my gun, my shotgun. I mean, literally until like the day before duck season. Just I was so busy last year. I didn't have time, so I went into duck season completely. That well, that early goose season completely unprepared to, to shoot to shoot a to shoot a goose to shoot a, to shoot a teal, and that's one thing that I've in my mind like okay, I I just I need to get out and just do it more. I mean, there's a shooting range thirty minutes from our house. You know, go out, shoot some traps, shoot some skeet, whatever, just to 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 keep those skills 
honed in. Yeah, honed in because, you know, you miss all these ducks early water season, you know, early season, you know, that first split, and then it's just like, okay, then you finally start to, to get get the hang of it, get get the bead right. But, man, I, I don't want to do that again. You don't get all those opportunities. Right. You know, so it's be, be, be prepared, be ready. That's something that I that I have to be better at this year. So, yeah. Well, and the cost of ammo is sky high. Oh, so. my God. You and I'm kidding. a cheap ass. I can just keep using my arrows time and time and time again. Right. <laughs> yeah. So over, I don't lose them. Over and over again, so. But, but well, this week we've got uh, Dan Matthews from the Western Rookie Podcast and uh, Nomadic, Nomadic Outdoorsman. Yeah. yeah. So if, I'm sure if you guys listen to the Sportsman's Empire Network, uh, we've got you got Dan on a lot of different things going right now. He is all over social media. Um, he was uh, very gracious with us. He was actually on vacation when he sat down yeah. and talked to us. But uh, dude was hiding in his car in a parking lot, just spending spending an hour with us. Yeah, you know, it was a lot, it was a lot of fun. Him and his wife are all over TikTok, and they're 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 pretty funny. Yes, so comical, good, so good stuff. But Dan has got some insight for. I think he lives in in Missouri. I mm-hmm. want to say grew up in in Wisconsin, but he's hunted out west. Okay, so this is another, again, another one of those things that Andrew just wants to do and. I, You're gonna do it someday. Yeah, you know, one of those days. But. Uh, I had a lot of questions. Dan did a pretty good job of, of narrowing it down, giving us some insight on how to go about that stuff. And uh, this is just kind of the, you know, how do you plan a hunt idea? We don't get into into a whole lot with the gear, uh, what you need to take or anything like that. We had a couple hunting stories in there. A couple hunting but stories. But mostly, yeah, like the, mostly is people in the Midwest and Ohio, like we have this idea like, well, I want to hunt Idaho or whatever state it is out west. And this is kind of that direct some of that i want to do this this is how you do it so it was good it was really good talk i enjoyed it so yeah. i'm still i need to listen to it like six more times before i really i think i'll understand yeah. some of the points and, and i'll never it. understand it <laughs> i'm just I, I i've given up on that I, I i want someone like dan to say well if this is where you want to hunt apply here right what i didn't like and i just found this out like in arizona if you want to if you want to apply for a preference point or whatever which is a point just that goes to i'm not going to hunt but you build up those points you have to have an out-of-state hunting license to be able to do that. That's like 170 bucks just to apply for a preference point. So, I mean, if you, you're you serious if you're doing that. Right. And some of them are different. I think yeah. I did – I have Utah right now. I technically have a hunting license in Utah, but I think that was only like 50 bucks. It wasn't It wasn't break the bank amount of money, right? I think some of them get really expensive, Wyoming yeah. and stuff. I oh, man, I bet. Stupid expensive. I know Maine, where I've been applying, you don't have to – five bucks for a moose tag or a bear permit right. or a point so anywho yeah it's a, good stuff enjoy it huge topic so uh we try to cover it there for you guys a little bit and uh yeah go from there so uh anything else paul i don't know i don't i don't think so we we're, we're looking at we're both looking at our topics that we have coming up if there's anything that you folks want to listen to you want to hear about send it to us I and mean, we got we got trapping stuff coming up we got uh some kids in the outdoors. We got some food plots. We got some land management stuff coming up. We've got uh, a we've got a live show. Yeah, we're still working on that. Still, one. still editing that out. So, so that's coming up. Actually, another one in the works. So, we got a lot, a lot of cool stuff coming up this summer. If there's anything that you folks want to hear about? Just let us know. Fishing, catfishing, whatever. There's, there's a guy that I'd like to get on. I think his name's Cat Daddy. I think he's from like Missouri or something like that. He he probably weighs like three hundred pounds, and he's got these massive like, they're like John boat looking things. These big aluminum boats. This guy slams catfish. He goes all over the country just hunting catfish. Or it's awesome, man. I like to get him on. He he's super entertaining. So. Cool. 
But we appreciate it. Gotten uh, we have different people reaching out to us, and we're guys. We're trying to do what we can for you. I uh, appreciate all the support, and uh, we'll keep going. So O2 Podcast, the O2 Podcast dot com is our website. Uh, also the dot O2 dot podcast on Instagram. O2 Podcast on Go Wild at Ohio Hunt on Twitter. As long as Paul hasn't been kicked off, uh, still still on there. Not checking it much. I'm gonna be completely honest with you. Well, Twitter's- now that Elon's in charge, right? Is that Dude, I, I'll, be I'll be honest with you. I'd I'd rather interact with a dead raccoon in a garbage can more than I would Facebook <laughs> or Twitter. So if you're like, hey man, go 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 play with this dead, sign me up. I'll do that before I get on Facebook or Twitter. Right. We talked to that trapping guy. We might be able to get you into that dead raccoon. Oh yeah, I can't I can't wait. So good All stuff. Right. Well, take care everybody. Have a good week. Enjoy the nice weather. Have a, have a good Memorial Day weekend. See you guys. Welcome back, everybody, to the O2 Podcast. Today, we are joined with Dan Matthews, who is everywhere. Uh, let's see, Dan, what what do you do? Let's, let's let's start with that for our for our audience. Uh, I imagine most of them have an idea if they uh, listen to the network, because Dan is a fellow Sportsman's Empire Network uh, host. But uh, tell us, Dan, what, what what do you do? Yeah, so uh, I run two podcasts. I'm the host of both the Nomadic Outdoorsman podcast, which covers a little bit of everything. I mean, it covers everything from frog gigging up to moose hunting. And then also the Western Rookie. The whole idea behind that is to get guys like myself who grew up in the Midwest and may not have thought that I run both those and then do a bunch of social media stuff. I never thought I'd be a TikToker, but man, I find myself doing TikToks every day now. So at what point in your TikTok career was your wife like, I can help with this because they're pretty entertaining and she's, she's actively involved with it. Oh, she definitely is. She was actually the reason I got started with it. She's like, with your podcast, you need to use all of these free like marketing platforms like Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and get your name out there, get your podcast out there a little bit more. And so uh, that actually took me from 90 total listens. On my first 15 episodes, I had 90 total listens to the podcast. And in one weekend, she made a TikTok about me quitting my job, pursuing podcasting full-time. And just in that weekend, I bumped up to like 5,500 listens. And from there, it just kept growing uh, I got home from a guy's night that we do every Thursday night. I got home from that one night and she's like, babe, look at where you are on Apple wilderness charts. And I had hit number eight at that point. And over nice. the next few days I got up to number three. I was like, this is unbelievable. This is so great. Yeah. That's, so yeah, that's cool. So, so you grew up in the Midwest. Where did you, where did you grow up? So I grew up in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, which for people who don't know, it's about an hour um, east of Minneapolis, Minnesota, halfway up the state in Wisconsin, uh, just north of Trempolo and Buffalo counties, which, I mean, those are white tail meccas. Like, Buffalo County is number one for Boone and Crockett and Pope and Young every year. And, uh, yeah, just some big deer area. So so what, what took you west? Where do you, where do you live now? Where, where's your family based at now? So we're based out of Springfield, Missouri. 
I, I went down there for school. Uh, I had an aunt and uncle that moved down to Ozark, Missouri, and they said, hey, there's a sweet college program at a church. If you're interested, we'll pay for it. So I moved down there and uh, met my wife there. We got married years later, and we did a short stint in Colorado for two years and then moved back to Springfield, and that's kind of where we're setting up shop now. Gotcha. So what – like – what state has better whitetail hunting, Wisconsin or Missouri? Because I hear, like, really oh, good things about Missouri, too. Missouri is amazing. It really is. And even, like, the area that I'm in in Missouri, it's the southwest corner. Um, people underestimate it. All over the state of Missouri has amazing whitetail, but you just can't beat Wisconsin. The numbers, the size of deer, like, even just the body size of a mature deer there. I mean, they probably outweigh by 50 to 70 pounds of immature deer down in Missouri. Wow. So do you like, do, do you still go back to Wisconsin to, to deer hunt every year or you just, I do. Of... So what's yeah, the, I... so like from, from an outside perspective and I'm saying outside, like we live in Ohio and just what we hear on, on social media and you read the reports that like Wisconsin struggling with some CWD, like, like really, really hot spots. What, what's kind of the vibe up there in that state? You know, I, I feel like ever since the first really big push of CWD in Wisconsin, people have not forgot about it, but a lot of the state isn't totally affected by it. There are several counties where there's definitely hot zones where they want to basically eradicate all deer in those areas and start over. Well, if you know anything about CWD, it that's not really how it works. You know, the, the CWD disease can live in the soil even without active animals spreading it. And so to, to wipe out the herd, reintroduce them, it's not necessarily going to fix the problem. The, the big concern that a lot of people have up there now are the timber wolves because the Northern Great Lakes actually has more timber wolves than all of the Yellowstone ecosystem does. And I've talked to plenty of people who absolutely hate wolves and they'll see them. I, I talked to one guy, he said he tags out opening weekend of rifle season every year. And he said at that point, this was five years ago, he hadn't seen a deer um, for three seasons, but he had seven wolves walk under his stand one day. Oh, wow. So so people so, are naturally associating the predation with the, the loss of deer population then? Yeah, and they are. And, I mean, this is all secondhand. I, I saw one wolf growing up. I mean, I was born and raised there. I did – I went from my first days of kindergarten all the, all the way through graduating high school there. And I had only ever seen one wolf and the deer numbers that I see in the center part of the state, they seem to be doing just as good now as they ever have. I mean, we saw so many deer this past year. I go up every year for uh, gun deer season, which okay. is the week of Thanksgiving, but I'm going to start getting back up there for the whitetail rut, even though the, the rut up there kind of trickles into late November. So um, I want to get up there with my bow again, though, and chase some deer. Gotcha. So Andrew, what, I know you've had a lot of questions about because just because Dan, you do a ton of hunting out west. Obviously, you've got a podcast diving into like the western stuff. So, I know this guy in front of me is 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 itching to kill an elk or a mule deer or anything west of the Mississippi. He's ready. To, he's ready to go. I just so. like the idea of talking to him. Like that's why I, I yeah. blow that bugle call in front of my ring doorbell so that I, <laughs> I get the video sent to my wife. But the uh, no, man, I, I, I'm here. Right. And I, I love the idea of, uh, of, of going West and elk meat is the best thing I've ever eaten. 
and I would love to go out and 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 pull one in, bring it back home. Okay. I I have subscribed to Go Hunt for a couple of years. I think it's a pretty cool tool. It's still a little bit overwhelming. Um, I don't understand how all these states work. I'm actually looking at email. This is how dumb I am. I just throw money to these states where I've, I've gotten a bonus point uh, for a limited entry bull elk in Utah and a general season buck deer in Utah preference point. I don't I have no idea what that means, but I got it. OK, uh, and I think I got something in Montana, uh, too, that I bought last year. So, man, I know you have a whole podcast dedicated to this and i encourage all the listeners to go uh check out those because they're very good and, and all that kind of stuff how does somebody from the midwest good old ohio decide start figuring this process out like where would you start in that endeavor and i i think you're on the right track because go hunt has a phenomenal like arsenal of tools that you can use as far as becoming successful out west uh, whether that be looking at kill statistics, how many hunters get tags versus how many animals are harvested every year in a given unit. E-scouting is a huge one, no matter what mapping software you get, to be able to look at the topography, look at the foliage, see what kind of terrain you might be interested in hunting out there. Um, but really, like the point system is great. The point system will always get you into better units down the road but there are so many really good units over the counter. I have yet to draw a tag for Colorado, but I go out there every year to deer or to elk hunt and about every two to three years. Um, if I, if I draw a deer tag and I've had success, I mean, I know guys this past year, the guys that invited me out to their elk camp, um, I had hunted with them two years prior. They saw 1500 elk this year. And they harvested multiple bulls, multiple cows, all over the counter. Some of these guys are buying their tags on the drive out to the unit. They'll stop at a Walmart or um, a CPW office or a gas station, wherever they sell licenses. And so it's not like you have to put in years and years worth of points. But I will say, the more years you spend in the unit, scouting, glassing, figuring it out, talking to other people, uh, the better the better off you're going to be. And so that's where I would start. Go hunt, e-scouting on whatever mapping software, and then just get boots on the ground. And you might not be successful the first year, the second year, but I, I'll tell you, after a few years, you're going to figure it out. You're going to learn those units. You're going to learn those spots where the elk, the mule deer, go and hide as soon as the gunfire starts. Um, as far as archery hunting, gosh, that's a, that's a whole nother animal. You know, there's so much pressure out there when people are chasing after them with bolt with bows. And uh, I talked to a guy, the guy who first actually piqued my interest in art, uh, elk hunting. He, I still hunt his land up in Wisconsin. He owns a bunch of land. My family's been hunting it for 40 plus years now. And he goes out every single year as a non-resident and he'll get either a muzzleloader or an archery tag. And he goes out and he's like, man, people get out there and they think they need to blow a bugle call nonstop. And certain places that works, but for the most part, you're going to call in more hunters than you will bulls. And all he does is cow call. And he told me this past year out of 30 days hunting, he was in elk 29 of those days. Oh, wow. And he's like, that's just a cow call. Um, you know, you get, sometimes alerting them to where you are 
and getting all of their ears and eyes pointed in your direction isn't the way to go. Sometimes you just have to sneak in on them. Gotcha. That's uh, so let's just, we'll back up here a little bit. You covered a lot there on the go hunt side of things. Um, I just, so if any of our listeners are not familiar, this is a website. Uh, I think it's about 150 bucks a year or something like that. Uh, they do have like a, a, a store or whatever, but the, the, the thing that they really specialize in is this insider or insider 2.0. Is that what they call it? And then like, basically you can go through every unit in Ohio, Dan, we, we hunt by the County. Okay. <laughs> out West and, and most other States hunt by the unit. I get it. So, uh, but out there you can check the different units. Um, you can check their success rates. What kind of animals are there? There's people that give some some rundowns of different things. So, like from Ohio, it's hard to say, oh yeah, we're gonna go scout something this weekend in Colorado, right? That's not that's not realistic. Yeah. Uh, so this is where a tool like that can be really important. So let's just take a state, okay? So we're gonna take Colorado. We're gonna say we got good over the counter possibilities. We've looked through a program like Go Wild or talked to somebody. We've narrowed down our areas. It's as simple as then putting together a pack and and your gear and heading west and buying your tag yeah i mean i really think you can you can overcomplicate it or simplify it as much as you want but i will say nothing no no amount of e-scouting no amount of looking at like previous kill site maps or um, success rates is going to give you the information that you get when you're actually boots on the ground with your binos or your spotting scope looking for animals. Like I, I've talked to guys who live in Colorado and they've gone 17 years with a bow and never even killed an elk. And then I've talked to non-residents that go out there and they might do things unconventionally. And part of me thinks that the guy who's never done it before has a better chance of going out there and learning and finding success because they're coming at it with a fresh perspective. They're coming at it with, without all of these preconceptions of like, this is how you have to do it. Like the guys who go out and think out of the box and they're like, dude, I'm going to do whatever it takes to get it done. They're the ones who are going to be successful. And so, um, yeah, you can, you can get out there. You can have success. I did it two years in a row. My first two seasons, uh, my first season, I shot a nice five by six. Uh, my second season, I shot another five by six, technically a five by seven, um, and, and a mule deer on the same day. And that was over the counter in a unit that they give out unlimited tags for. And, uh, yeah, we just, we found him. You just, you sound like one of my friends, uh, who I swear the deer just come out to him and they're like, <laughs> can I lick the end of your barrel every, every time, right? Adam Osterling, every time he goes out and uh, the last two years in Pennsylvania or uh, two of the years prior, I think he spent about 20 minutes in the woods because that's all it took. Uh, but that's that's good information. Okay, so Colorado is one of those states where you've got over the counter opportunities. Let's talk about something that's more mid range, right? Where you need to play the, the the point game a little bit, or maybe you don't. Um, would Wyoming or Montana be somewhere in the middle? I know there's certain states like, and we'll get to them, Arizona that are like twenty year right out there yeah. type of things. Um, but what would be a mid-range? Is it Wyoming? Is that a not, something where yeah, it's a I feel couple like, years? I feel like Wyoming is a pretty good one. Um, Wyoming, Montana. 
you know, a couple of years gets you into a unit where you can get out and have a decent chance at success. You know, there's not a single place that you're going to find that's going to be a hundred percent success. But even if you can get into the 20%, like a 20% success rate is huge. And even from Ohio, you guys probably know that if you're targeting a certain age class deer to, to think that like one out of five, like weeks of hunting, you could have a chance at a mature deer. Like that's killer. You can't find that most places. You're overestimating our abilities, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, I, I think Wyoming is a good one, but really like I would start it, as much as you want to say, Hey, let's put two, three points into it. Um, you know, building that for years and years and paying the application fees, whatever those are in the state you're looking at. If you can go out on an over the counter hunt, that's going to tell you so much more And most states have opportunities for over the counter tags. They really do. And, or it's, you put in for an application or a preference point and there's units in those states. That's a hundred percent success rate, uh, as far as drawing a tag, even if you don't have any points. And so like Wyoming, for instance, go out there, have a great time. Go look for antelope for $49. You can get a doe antelope tag as a non-resident, but you might be able to scout an amazing unit that could be good for mule deer or elk in the future. And you're only $49 into it as far as the tag goes, obviously more for travel, but get out there however you can. And if you can be hunting while you're doing it, it's just a bonus, but go look, talk to locals, talk to non-residents during season. I'll tell you that right now in Colorado this past year, I hunted a different unit than I normally do. And we talked to both residents and non-residents. The amount of information a non-resident is going to give a fellow non-resident is a hundred times more than what a resident is going to give. Like it was one after the next. We'd talk to people, everyone we saw on the trail, on four wheelers, side by sides, walking, whatever. We started talking to them and we ran into some guys from Pennsylvania, some guys from Wisconsin, some from West Virginia. And they were like, dude, we just saw elk here two days ago. And then on the flip side, every person from Colorado is pointing to the far side of the unit where they're not hunting. Oh yeah. You got to go check over there away from us. Like get out of our area, go look somewhere else, not giving us any information for the spot that we were hunting. I mean, that's how I am with turkey hunting. If someone runs into me on the path, like hearing anything gobbling, I'm like, buddy, I ain't heard a turkey out here in five years. <laughs> and I'm the, I'm, yeah. the, I'm the one that's dumb. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, we just heard him over there. You know? Y'all want to on, 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 on X-Pen? I'll send it to you. What's your phone number? I'm like, dude, what are you doing? So, no, that's, that's, yep. that's, that's, that's funny. Um, so, so how like, are you, are you going out West hunting elk, mule deer, antelope, whatever it is? Are you doing that every year at this point? Or are you just, you know, kind of saving up? you know, make it, make it real big trips out of it. No, I'm, I'm doing elk every year, mule deer. Like I said, every couple of years, I've been starting to put in points for different States. Um, just with my travel schedule, with the variety of animals I hunt, I'd love to go chase elk all fall, but I don't want to give up my whitetail rut in Missouri. I don't want to give up my gun deer season in Wisconsin. Yeah. And so typically I'm doing one, one big trip out West every year hopefully targeting a bear, a buck, and a bull all on the same trip. Um, but I'm starting to put in for points out east, too. That's something that a lot of people like you guys, you guys aren't far from Kentucky. You're not far from Pennsylvania. They actually have really high success rates as far as drawing an elk tag in both of those states 
and the caliber of animals that you can get into out there are insane. Like you can get giant bulls in Pennsylvania and Kentucky, and they both have great populations, less pressure, less hunter numbers. And so maybe, maybe it's not making the big jaunt out West. Maybe you don't get to see the Rocky mountains when you're hunting, but you can get a feel for what it's like to hunt elk in the rut right there close to home. I've actually been doing the Pennsylvania thing for a couple of years because yeah, I would love the four or five hour drive versus the uh, 24 hour drive. But back to this point thing, I'm going to dwell on this because I'm an idiot, but I've got here an email that says I've got one bonus point and one preference point. Can you differ? I know each state's different, but what, and this is Utah. Um, I think maybe, yeah, I think, I think it's Utah. Uh, yeah. But can you tell the difference between this? I mean, in Ohio, here's how it works. Okay, I we go, we pick up a tag and a license, and we can go out to the woods, right? And I'm pretty sure that non-residents can do the same thing. You get up to six does, you get one or six deer total in the state, you get one buck out of that. This whole point thing is just, it, I'm not sure I quite understand. So... I, I wish I had all the good information for you on the point system. Unfortunately, the points are still kind of a mystery to me. Um, you know, you get a preference point every year that you put in for it. You can use it as a second option if you don't draw your normal tag that you want to get. And it's just like the default. Hey, I didn't draw, so still put me in for a preference point. Those points go towards whatever unit that you want to hunt down the road, say, it takes four points to draw, but it's not guaranteed at four. If you have five points, you have a better chance than if you only had four. The bonus point thing is something that I haven't gotten into. I don't have any bonus points for any units out there, and I'm not fully sure how the bonus points weigh up. I feel like it's a more weighted point. It gives you more sway when they go to do the draw, but I'm not 100% sure, and I'm sure it varies state to state. And do you have to pick the unit? that you want these points in not up front um as far as most states out west i want to say like wyoming montana utah nevada colorado even new mexico uh, probably most of them don't have to have the unit selected when you actually go to get the points typically it's a random like code that you punch in it might be a bunch of nines and a bunch of zeros with a p thrown in there and it just says, I want a point. That's it. I'm not interested in drawing. And it's not until you actually try to get the unit that you have to put in very specific information. So you might be saying, hey, I want to get unit 43 or unit number two. And I want a bull for the first season or the second season or an archery tag. And at that point, when you're actually trying to cash in your preference points and your bonus points, that's when you actually have to put in the information for where you want to hunt. Okay. So let me get this right. It's kind of like a savings account, right? You're going to put in for these points and get your savings account built up. And at some point, say it's 10 points. You're like, all right, now I really want to attempt to hunt that unit. So you're, yep. then you're going to say, I, okay, I'm going in for, for the first 10 years, you were just building them up, right? You weren't actually trying you, I'm, I'm thinking about this selfishly because like, okay, how would I plan for my vacation in the fall? Right. Um, but yeah, you got these 10 points, you got this good unit picked out. Now I'm going to put them in and hopefully you get drawn. If you don't get drawn, do you lose all those points? 
You do not. No, you keep them. You only lose the points once you get drawn. And even on top of that, for Colorado, if you do get drawn, it, there's a certain amount of time in between when you actually get drawn and when you have to pay for your license. And if something happens during that time, you can say, hey, I don't have the funds. Hey, a family emergency came up and you still don't lose your points. You just don't get the tag, if that makes sense. So you're saying, hey, I don't want to buy this anymore. Give me back all my points. But yeah, you keep your points that whole time, whether like if, if you're not successful, you only lose the points once you get the tag that you're trying to acquire. So and if you've got 10 points, but Go Hunt tells you you need seven to draw a certain unit, you can't just say, I'm going to use seven of these 10, right? I'm going to and save three. It's all. That's or... the tough part. No, it's all or nothing. Okay. You put all your all your points in on it. Okay. That sounds exhausting trying to figure all that out. Is, is there an easy, like for all the different states that you have, do you have like an Excel sheet with all the breakdown or something? Yeah, Excel Excel's a good one, but honestly, Go Hunt, the, the preference point tracker that they have on Go Hunt, that's, that's like they're probably the best software out there as far as keeping an idea of when you, when you get points and how many you have for each state. Now, if, if you want to like kill yourself with monotony and go into every single website and check, like go to the CPW page for Colorado and see, okay, I've got four points for bear and four points for elk and moose and mountain goat. Like you would have to do that for every single state, but luckily the software and apps are coming out like go hunt where it'll track it for you. So when, what, how long ago did you go on your first Western elk hunt? Um, that would be five years ago now, I okay. think. I want to say 2016, maybe 2017 was my first okay. elk hunt out there. So I loved a turkey hunt. And I mean, that, it's it's turkey hunting, number one for me. And then like... We can't go an way, episode without Paul talking about turkey. Way distant would be like Dude, duck you're, hunting. Dude, you're the crazy guy. I've been... It's funny because on the opposite end, I've been talking on my podcast on both of them recently. Yeah. How much I hate turkey hunting. And oh how ridiculous God. I think it is. You're breaking my heart. Although dude. this year, this year is the first year that I've been super fired up about it. And I was able to capitalize on two hunts for Turkey in Missouri. Yeah, I but saw, I saw that. I'm I saw still like, Instagram. I'm still like, eh, it's, it's cool. If a Turkey like had horns just, on it, it'd be the most sought after game animal on the face of the earth. So every, see, I just think <laughs> like, if you love Turkey hunting, man, you're going to get into elk hunting and Turkey's well, going to be like, what's a Turkey. I don't care about that. Yeah. Anymore. Perfect. Perfect segue. That's what, uh, that's what everyone says that like has hunted elk. They're like, Oh yeah, well it's because you haven't hunted elk yet. And so, so what was that? Like that, that first, that first like bull elk that just fired off. You know that was that was close, man. Like, what what did that just do to you? I mean, did you just come on hinge, or were you just like, oh my god, did you pee a little? Yeah, dude. The first time I I can I could I could walk you to the exact spot. We were looking for elk. Hadn't heard many bugles because I typically hunt second rifle um, for elk out there. It's just like a tradition now. I go with a ton of guys. They bring toy haulers and side by sides and what, everything out. What is second rifle? Okay, so it's broken down by multiple rifle seasons. You also have like alternative season, which is muzzleloader, um, and then before that is archery. But once you get into the rifle seasons, it's not just like you have gun season. You have first rifle, which I want to say is like four days, 
second rifle, which is nine, third rifle, which is six days, and then fourth rifle, which is four days. Now, when you get a tag for an elk, you have to pick which one you want. And so, like, I can't just go and hunt elk all archery, all muzzleloader, and all four rifle seasons. I get a tag for one of them. And so, um, we, we would go out for second rifle season. We set up a base camp where everybody's parked. We've got, like, three big wall tents, a mess hall. Everyone hangs out. And from there, we branch out. Ballpark, time-wise, what is second rifle? Is it November? Second rifle is typically the last week of October. Uh, this past year, it bled quite a bit into the first week of November, though. Okay. So we get out there, and we we set up the base camp. And then from there, people take different turns. Like one group may say, hey, the five of us are going to go and do a spike camp. They'll get dropped off with four-wheelers, you know, 40 minutes away. And then they'll hike from there three miles back in, set up little one- or two-man tents, hunt from there for three or four days, and then come back to base camp. We did that same thing midweek. We went out and we got up on this ridge line and we spotted elk immediately. I mean, probably 75 to 150. It's hard to tell. They're mixing the sage. You can't really get a good count on them, but there were big bulls all over the place, but they weren't bugling because the rut had for the most part come to an end. And we started making a play on them immediately realized if we do shoot one, we can't recover them because of how steep this terrain is. Like we were digging our heels and our packs and our elbows into the ground as we're sliding down this, the side of this muddy mountain. And so we had to back out, said, hey, we're not gonna be able to recover it. But we went back to camp that night and I remember laying in bed, it was freezing cold out and we just heard them all start firing off. I don't know why, but at night they just started bugling and I could not sleep. I mean, I was already sleep deprived because I'd been hunting for several days. But laying there and just hearing them, it sounded like they were right outside my tent. Oh, my gosh. I I definitely had a chub. Like, let's say that. I don't know if I can say that on your podcast, but you, you can. You're good. Yeah, you're, you're, yeah good. you're good. That's that's a that's a cool, a cool story. And, and so, like, you're talking about, like, elks down in the sage and you know, I have like this. Mental elks? Is it elks? Is it elk or elks? What did I say? I think it's you said elks. Elk. I think it's elk. Elk guy. Elk guy, maybe. I don't know. Elkian. We'll say elk. Yeah. That's that's the bush light talking when I say elks, but um, like I, I, I like have this mental picture of like what that looks like. I don't even know what sage looks like, you know, the, the, the landscape out there. So that's that's yeah. that pretty. So so you 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 killed an elk your first time, your first two years out. Is that what you said? Yeah, my first my first season, it wasn't on that hunt. We didn't get on a good elk. We had several plays, a couple opportunities, but we just never pulled the trigger but because we didn't feel right about it. Sure. But finally, my buddy, Sean, he's like, dude, get your gear ready. We're going out tomorrow. You're killing a bull elk tomorrow. And this guy is like the stone cold killer that you're talking about. Like he finds a way to make it happen. I think at that point, I was the ninth person in eight years that had never elk hunted that he got a bull elk. Oh, wow. And he he's like, dude, we're going after it. And so we did, we, we dropped in, hiked a ton. And one thing that he taught me that I will like scream from the rooftops for everybody to hear is he does not move in dark at all. Like most time with deer hunting, you think get in my stand, get in my stand an hour before sunrise or an hour before legal shooting light. He will not travel 
if he can't see the terrain because he he knows that where we are is elk country and so if you're riding 45 minutes on a four-wheeler those elk might be long gone before the sun ever comes up is this the dude you just did the talk with the mo- about the moose with yeah yeah that's my buddy sean he's uh dude I, he's an I, awesome guy when i heard that i was like he had i can't tell you how many times i've walked in the woods and i hear the deer running away yep that's a very yeah, very w- good point he won't do it, man. And there's there. I, I thought he was crazy. My very first night in elk camp, uh, sorry, the night before uh, season open, because we typically get out there two days before and we scout. And even though they know the area, he he won't go up, or we'll go out and scout for, you know, the full day before season, typically the night before that even. Um, but I remember sitting around the fire and I was like, hey, so what time are we getting up? Like 3 a.m.? 4 a.m. and he's like no and I was like well what time and he's like dude what time sunrise tomorrow and I want to say it was like 6 30 he's like oh we'll get up at like 5 45 get in the get on the four-wheelers get our stuff loaded and as soon as legal shooting light is here we'll leave camp and I'm like dude everyone's gonna beat us to the spots and he's like dude you're thinking like a whitetail hunter and I'm like well yeah that's all I've ever hunted and he's like no we don't travel unless we can see and he's like you could very easily come across a herd of elk while you're driving on a two track to get back to the spot that you want to be. And so we, we would do that. And I mean, it's funny cause you see gut piles right there on the four wheeler trail sometimes because people will just come up on elk that are crossing a saddle on a hillside or on a ridgeline. Um, but yeah, we dropped in, we got back to a spot, spotted elk right away. Uh, didn't realize just how many there were and how spread out they were. And so we were going through a bunch of cedar trees that were probably, you know, 15, 20 feet tall, but you couldn't see. And we were going through them and the ground just started shaking. And we knew that there were a bunch of elk bedded in those cedars that we didn't know about, which pushed the herd we were actually going after down into this deep, nasty canyon. We thought, all right, we just blew our opportunity, got set up and we were looking and looking. And the herd that we scared out of the cedars then followed them down into the deep canyon, which then pushed the first herd back up into shooting range for us. And it was a waiting game at that point, set up and waited for a good bull to pop out, and it all worked out. So what's shooting range on, like, during that second gun? I mean, like, what what do you, what do you feel comfortable with? I mean, I'll shoot out to probably 700, 750. I, I'll only shoot what I practice at. And unless I can hit a target, like – I'm talking a dinner plate, maybe a little bit bigger. If I can't hit that 10 out of 10 times, it's not my shooting range. You know, I want to know for certain that I'm putting a bullet through the vitals on, on whatever type of animal I'm shooting. So I, I practice quite a bit. That's what I do. I mean, when ammo is not crazy expensive, uh, <laughs> but I like to get out once a week and just shoot, shoot my rifle. It gives me a break, lets me get away and I can plink some steel. So I practiced a bunch of that. Luckily, these elk were at 330. Uh, the bull was when I pulled the trigger. It was a good shot. We walked down, and he was actually still on his feet. That's another thing that I would highly recommend to anybody going out for the first time. It's not like deer hunting, right? You pull the trigger, you wait a little while, you look for blood, and then you go try to recover them. With elk, this is what they taught me and what I live by now. You pull the trigger until they're done moving. And... I thought that was crazy. I'm like, dude, I don't want 
the animals totally shot up. And he's like, would you rather them shot up a little bit and you recover them or fatally wounded and you never find them again? And I was like, oh, you got a good point there. And so we walked down to recover the elk or to start trailing the elk. And I looked to my right and he was standing there at a hundred yards after I'd put one right through his boiler room. And we shot him again. Actually, both of us pulled the trigger on him. He's like, we got to put him down right now. Otherwise we'll never find him. And we did. And he dropped in his tracks. So, um, yeah, it's, it's just wild. There's so many differences in comparison to whitetail hunting. Okay. Because I'm a gear junkie. Uh, what kind of, what gun? So at that point, I was using a Montana Rifle Company 338 Win Mag. I was using a Vortex Viper PST2 scope, uh, 6 to 24 by 50, I think it is. I don't remember. Um, and then I was using Hornady's 338 Win Mag ammo. I want to say it was like 182 grain, something like that. Um, but yeah, it, and is that it was what around you, that I felt super. Is that what you'd recommend? something along those lines i've actually switched uh so i always thought that anything in the like 200 range so like 270 243 like 284 264 which is the same as a 65 creedmoor i always thought that those were too small because everyone said you need a 30 caliber or higher um he sean's like dude i've used a 270 my whole life and i've never had an elk get away that i've shot and i'm like oh interesting so i actually switched to a 28 nozzler for a year and then I switched down to a 6.5 Creedmoor after that, and that's what I use today. I mean, you're you're talking like 700-yard shots as, as a whitetail hunter. Like, that's that's insane. I can't even fathom, like, shooting a deer at 700 yards or an elk. Like, I, that, that blows my mind. I mean, what, I w- what's the biggest component of that? Is it the scope? I mean, in able to see. So I, the longest shot I've ever taken was about 200 yards on a deer. That was a bad idea. Okay, but because most of the stuff that I see is like archery, it's like twenty five yards max. Uh, so that was to- yeah. the whole the whole perception, the depth was was it was crazy, it was crazy. Me and the thought of seven hundred yards is just like you're out of your mind. Never happening. Yeah, it seems really crazy until you get out there and you talk to some of these guys. And I talk to people who shoot antelope with their bow at ninety yards, and I'm like, what? Like that seems so irresponsible. And they do it and they do it consistently and it's all about practice it's all about repetition you can break down the rifle or you know the whole setup as far as you want and say this is the most important this is the most important what i will say is you want to this is just like a really rough um, blueprint for what i would do if i was getting a new rifle spend as much on the scope as you do the rifle buy the nicest rings that your scope manufacturer makes and then spend as much money as you did on the rifle on ammunition and shoot it all through it and get comfortable with it. If you can do that, you're probably going to be in a good situation to where you're going to be able to max out your capability. You'll never max out your rifle's capability in, in most shooters cases. But if you can put the same amount of money into a scope as you did the rifle and the ammo as you did the rifle and shoot it all, you should be in a good starting point to get out there and shoot 500 plus. And you need a spotter too, right, Paul? So, like, when we go out, you can be my spotter. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, you tell me, like, three clicks to the right, Coriolis, Coriolis effect. Like, we're I'll gonna we're gonna play the whole whole game. One of those giant spotting scopes. <laughs> Listen, be- I don't know. 
I don't know if you guys are fans of Vortex at all. I swear by Vortex products. I absolutely love them. And they just came out with the new Fury HD range-finding binoculars that also have ballistic data built into it. So you can pair that with your rifle setup and it will tell you the windage and elevation right there. Paul, That's you're incredible. gone. You're done. Yeah. I, don't I don't need you anymore. Me. I mean, I don't need you in my let's, life. Let's be honest. You'd, you're you'd uninvited. Be, yeah, you'd be like, "How far is that elk?" And I'm like, "What?" And, and you're, you're gonna turn to look at me. I'm gonna be spotting turkeys <laughs> at the ridge, like a I'll, thousand yards away. I'll punch <laughs> you in the throat. <laughs> I'll be like, "What?" Hey, elk? I'll tell, dude, I'm telling you right now. The first year, I thought I saw a black bear cub running across the valley, uh, up up from camp, and it was turkeys. Yeah. While I was while I was elk don't hunting, tell I was him like, that, oh, Dan. Shit, don't don't no, tell him awesome. that. Okay, I'm I'm disappointed Listen, that Mark Hatfield and Peter Mueller didn't get you fired up for turkey season. So hey, they they told me what most people have told me so far, and that is that nothing is going to get me fired up for turkey season other than a gobbler coming in and doing it the right way. And I had it this year. The yeah. only thing that lacked was it beating the crap out of the Tom decoy. Yeah. Um. Everything else kind of came into play though. You need to get them close and then and then have them run out of your life. How That's do you, how. How do you just take all conversations and just divert them into turkeys? <laughs> you should see me at a party. I can't imagine. <laughs> uh, what what else you hunt, man? So elk, whitetail. You get a duck hunting or anything like that back in Missouri? You get some... Oh man, dude! I frog gig. I squirrel rabbit, dove, duck, goose, pheasant. Uh, hogs recently i've done two trips to texas this year for hogs one out of a helicopter oh my gosh that was sweet okay listen i love elk hunting but if you told me i could go sit in a helicopter and kill hogs for nine days straight or go to second rifle season i would pick a helicopter for hogs every year it is insane that was a good story that was very cool tell tell us so so this was in texas i'm assuming right because everything's legal in texas yeah Dude, everything's the, the neighbors. He's like, those guys down there, they've got giraffes. And I was like, what? They just have giraffes. In fact, yesterday I got a message from a guy who was on the podcast from Texas. He's like, just bought a baby kangaroo. And he showed me a picture of this Joey in like a satchel. And I was like, okay, whatever. So I go down to Texas. My first hunt, I go with this amazing group. Um, we go out and we chase after pigs on public land. It was fun. We killed several, but I partway through that trip, I got an invite to a helicopter hog hunt in Texas. And I was like, dude, this is unbelievable. Like I was just showing them videos of helicopter hog hunting when I got the message on Instagram. And I was like, I'm going, no question. I get down there. And as I pull up, I, I see the owner of the outfit or one of the co-owners. And he's like, Hey, the other owners, flying a group in right now they've got one more trip out and then they're coming back and they're literally taking off out of his backyard and they come back and i'm like man how you guys doing so far and they're like i think we're at like 172 pigs and like 22 coyotes for the day and i was like what they ended the day at like 198 hogs and 29 coyotes and i was like this is unbelievable you do this all the time and they're like dude we we do it as often as people want to come down and fly and they're like and then on top of that at night we go out with thermals and night vision and we shoot them in fields and so that's what we did i think on the day that we flew uh we actually had to cut it in half we were going to fly two days but one day was too windy to fly and so in one day we killed 150 pigs and 18 coyotes and uh 
And then we, on top of that, we did thermal hunting at night. And I can't even tell you, like, we didn't get a good count on how many pigs we killed with thermals, but it was in the double digits by a long shot. Okay. And just to clarify, this is, this is not, this is essentially like uh, killing weeds that are taking over, Mm -hmm. over your, you know, back 40. This is not slaughter to slaughter. This is like control, like population control. They're they're causing damage on this property. It's not something that you're just doing and laughing about, right? No, it's full eradication down there. As much as, like, I I typically eat what I kill, you know, coyotes being one of the exceptions. But for the most part, I eat what I kill. And I got down there and had to change that mindset. It was full eradication. Doesn't matter how big or small they are. We kill everything. And even with how many they kill every year, which is in the multiple thousands of pigs, he said it's not decreasing the population. It's just slowing the growth. And they're not the only helicopter outfit out there. They're not the only guys that go out and shoot them with thermals. But no matter how many they kill, these pigs, they're so prolific, and you're never going to get them in check. And they've kind of like succumbed to that belief by now. They're like, hey, listen, there's nothing any state is going to be able to do to fully eradicate pigs. We're just going to kill as many as we can to help farmers. And they do. I mean, that's what they do in the – in the off season is their cotton farmers. And he, he showed me strips in fields that were 200 yards long by 30 yards wide that everything was completely tore up. I mean, it looked like you took a disker and went through the whole thing. And he's like, this was just from hogs probably in one or two nights. That's incredible. I know they're, they're a big problem everywhere. I feel like from Florida, just the coast, all the way up into... I mean, they're reaching up into Tennessee. I was down there hunting, and they, they were everywhere down there. there so There was a point where we had some in Ohio, but I don't think that they're there as much anymore. So I asked a DNR, uh, ODNR officer about hogs in Ohio, like in southern Ohio, and he's like, buddy, you're going to have a, a better time seeing Sasquatch than a, than a hog. And I've been looking. looking Neanderthal. So, yeah. So I mean, so, the states that don't have them are doing everything they can to keep them out. Uh, the states that are right on the border where they're slowly starting to show up. Some of them are doing it right. Some of them are not. In my opinion, Missouri is struggling with it. They completely outlawed shooting pigs on public land now. Um, they said it disperses them and makes them harder to trap, which uh, I shared that information with people in both Oklahoma and Texas, and they said that is the dumbest thing you could possibly do. They need to have it open season year-round, no limits, thermals, night vision, everything included. And so... Yeah, there's just different takes. Each state's going to do it differently, and hopefully they all do it the right way. Yeah, I mean, Tennessee's the same way. The USDA hunters are in there, right or wrong. You know, people can be opinionated about those guys. It's It was federal property. I could have killed three pigs, and I, I didn't see a bunch. Of, I just saw three, four, and that was it. I saw see, you know three singles. I mean, you know, I'm not dispersing anything. I, I don't understand that thinking. I mean... You know, in, in, well, in, in fifteen pigs, years, Missouri's gonna be like, "Oh well, you know, we probably should have had an open season twenty years ago." And and you guys be killing pigs out of helicopters. So, oh yeah, I think I think that anytime someone has an opportunity, they should be allowed to shoot a pig, because I like we raised pigs for a couple of years, and they are such social animals that like if you put one pig in the pen by itself, it will find a way to escape. Like they do not like being alone at all. And so in thinking about that, I'm like, okay, so if you shoot into a group of them, they all scatter. We actually saw it firsthand with thermals. We got into a group of pigs and we shot two of them 
and all of the other ones huddled up in the middle of the field. We got closer and ended up wiping out the whole group of them. But it's like, if you shoot and they all scatter, they're just going to come right back and meet up again. It's not like they're just going to live the rest of their lives isolated from others. They'll be back, whether it's that night or two nights down the road, you're going to be able to trap them again. Lindsay, Lindsay Thomas of the, of the Q or uh, the NDA, the communications director on Instagram, he's got a, a real big problem with hogs down on his farm. So him and his dad call themselves squeal team six. So they're out, they're out <laughs> trapping, trapping hogs on their, on their property every night. So it always, it always what a name. Me. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm dude, a huge... you need... trademark that immediately trademark it. Squeal team six. Oh, I'm a huge fan of good names, like really well thought out names, and that's yeah. one of the best. That's one of the. Heard. That's one of the best. So, so what's the what's the one tag, the one hunt that you're just like, man, I have to do that. I have to do it. I'm gonna do everything in my power to get there. Yukon moose with a bow, okay. for sure. There's no question. It used to be red stag. You know, finding out about New Zealand and how most of the operations out there are, you know, high fence. Although they're you know eighty thousand acres, so it doesn't seem like a high fence. Uh, you're paying for a certain size animal. I'd rather just go out in the middle of nowhere and chase after an animal by myself, not see a single person. I really want to do a fly in float out hunt where I just get dropped off with a pack raft and maybe one or two guys. And we float the rivers calling for moose, probably get like a bonus black bear wolf and caribou tag in my pocket. But moose would definitely be number one on the bucket list. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good one. All right. So how do you accomplish that? Pulling that tag? Uh, over the counter. No is Alaska, most people don't realize it. Alaska, they think that moose falls into the category of having to have a guide. It does not. You can actually buy a tag. Uh, the transportation's where the real cost comes in. The Ala- the Yukon moose tag in Alaska is actually half the price as a non-resident moose tag in Colorado. So around a thousand, twelve hundred bucks. Last I checked, is what you can hunt a moose for um, in in Alaska. Once I draw, after I put in probably $2,000 or more worth of preference points, because they're $100 a piece, every year you have to pay $100 for a moose preference point in Colorado. By the time I draw that, I'm going to be 5000 deep into a moose hunt in Colorado, I would guess. And so, yeah, Yukon, nothing beats Alaska in my mind. I've been there twice now, and it's unbelievable, and I can't imagine being so far out, removed from civilization, that I just don't worry about other people i can imagine that no that sounds that sounds it's it's friday night and i've been through a week of a lot of insanity so uh i would love that i actually at this point drop drop you off so so dan what do you got planned for this upcoming hunting season man what's on what's on your radar man i'm gonna be doing a lot of uh a lot of duck hunting i'm looking at properties right now i really want to buy a whitetail property in missouri Um, one that hopefully we can also build a home on. And so I'm hoping whether it's there or the property that I hunt right now to just do a lot of management and target, target a big deer this year. Um, I'll be back out in Colorado. I may be in Utah, uh, for a mule deer hunt that I'm going to accompany a friend on. She just got into hunting, wants to go after one with a bow. And so I'm going to kind of teach her the ropes as best I can in Utah um i'll be back out in utah maybe next month for a black bear hunt with hounds and then again in october for a mountain lion with hounds um 
Wisconsin for sure during rifle season, hopefully during uh, archery season as well. And gosh, I, I don't know. There, I'm sure there's going to be a lot more coming up. I've been invited now to Louisiana for thermal hog hunting. That might happen here in the next month or two. So I, I typically don't plan out my year as much as I should. I should have a calendar. It's just kind of like, hey, babe, next week, can I go do this? And she's like, yeah, sure, go ahead. Yeah, why not? Well, you can come to Ohio anytime you want. Okay, Paul will go chase turkeys with you, and I'll show you how to kill does, okay? that's that's We'll be good at that, all right? Dude, I love does, man. I like deer, period. Deer are so much fun. And of all the hunting I've done, I mean, it's unrealistic to think I could go helicopter hog hunting nonstop. My heart lies with whitetail archery. Like, it just does. There's something intimate about it when you can track deer year after year uh, where you can just see them out in the field doing their thing, no idea that you're there. I think it's going to take something really special to take that number one spot. Very good. Well, Dan, we appreciate your time taking time here on Friday night out of your vacation uh, to spend with us and give us some insight. Appreciate it. Hopefully this helps give uh, our listeners a little bit of an idea what they need to kind of do to prep for a Western hunt. And uh, do you want to give everybody a rundown? I know you are Mr. Uh, social media, but do you want to tell them where to find you uh, more information about you and your podcast, your, your content? Yeah, uh, go check out The Nomadic Outdoorsman, and it's Nomadic Outdoors Man, not men, so M-A-N at the end of that, and then The Western Rookie. Both of those are are where you can find me on all social platforms, YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, and podcasts. Awesome. Dan, we appreciate your time, man. Good luck this season, and uh, when you buy that whitetail property in Missouri and you're over on the turkeys, I know a guy that uh, you could sign a permission slip for, so just saying. Hey, listen, you guys have an open <laughs> invite down to Missouri anytime you want. I give this invite out to so many people, and I wasn't going to do it until I realized how few people actually take you up on invites. Uh, I, man, turkey season, dude, I've got the spot for you. You will kill a monster. Okay. And, yeah, you're welcome to come down and uh, for whitetail as well. Hey, and I just, I just want one last thing is I know you were on uh, Nick. Is it Nick's uh, podcast, Huntivore? All right, Nick's yep. from Michigan. So now you've been on a real podcast because Michigan sucks, okay? And <laughs> Ohio is, uh, Ohio, you know, this is the Buckeye State, all right? So you welcome, okay, to a real podcast from a real state, okay? I'm not, I don't know if you're, if you're familiar about the hatred of Ohio State and Michigan fan, football fans, so – Listen, a... I, I wish I could jump in this fight with you guys, but the Badgers don't typically show up for a whole lot. You know, they're pretty <laughs> decent every year, but never great. And college football was not my thing. College sports, period. It was all yeah. professional, man. Packers. Well, hey, we'll save go that. For, go. We'll save that for another day. Hey, so, hey, I don't Dan. know if you can see that right there, but that is a Milwaukee Bucks hat. Yes, yeah, that's a Milwaukee Bucks hat. baby. Oh, Good deal, man. Thanks for your time. Have a great vacation with your family. Yeah, hopefully we'll talk to you. Thanks, Dan.